Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, welcome to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. It's currently 40 degrees, and the sun's starting to peak out at uh, 309 here on this Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Today's uh, Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm sure uh, Jake can get us some good New Orleans music going for us. We got some good stories today as well. Uh, Well, right off the bat, and we've talked about how the economy, inflation and stuff being less worse is still a dangerous place to be in. And today's a perfect example of that. And again, the numbers weren't horrific. They weren't bad. They were above expectations, which, again, because our economy is so fragile at this time, it pretty much sent it into a tailspin. The the Dow Jones is at the wor- had its worst day of the year so far. It's down uh, right now 700, almost 731 points. The Nasdaq is down 369 points. The Standard & Poor's down 97.25%. And uh, this is because of hotter-than-anticipated inflation data. It was above. I think it was only about 3.1, and they expected it to be low 3. And again, it wasn't horrible, but it just goes to show you how fragile this economy is. So when they when they when when it goes down and everyone tells you how great everything is and how wonderful. Well, what's their answer today? Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a hiccup. But, you know, if it would have hit expectations, which I believe was only at uh, 2.9 and instead it was 3.1. But, um, you know, a lot of things are tremendously up as far as costs go. And they want to skip that point. But the same people who are telling you how everything's great, you know, disappear when there's something like this that happens. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for the inflation numbers today was, was housing costs. Shelter was up 6%, rent up 6.1%, home insurance is up 4.1%. And again, that's just month to month. Goods are still up in the double digits. And again, we were headed in the right direction, but we are a fragile economy. So when you hear the cheering and rah, rah, rah about how great everything is and you know this 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 uh, we're in a, a, a wonderful place no we're in a less worse place still and today proves that i mean we just barely missed the mark it really and it wasn't a bad number I, you know i'm going to give credit where credit is due it's above what they expected but 3.1 isn't a bad number we should be around 2 so we're still above where we need to be but just that just the fact that i think they were predicting 2.9 we came in at 3.1 and it's sending the entire stock market into a tailspin, should should be a wake-up call to prove that things are things are uh, day-to-day, and things could go bad very bad, bad, very uh, very fast, because it did. I mean, the numbers came out this morning, and all the markets across the board tanked. Like I'm saying, the Dow Jones had its worst day of the year in a year. Standard of Poor's is down. NASDAQ is down. And I'm not just talking down. It's, it's down tremendously. Based off of news that wasn't that bad. So that's telling us something. It's telling us how fragile our economy is, and we need to be careful. And uh, 
doing less worse month to month is a good thing to happen. Even though this crept up a little bit, we're still not in a horrible place, but you could see how quickly the markets rally on that. The other big news, and by rally, I mean rally downward to the worst place that we've been in a year, almost. We lost half the gains in this fiscal year already in just half a day of trading today. That's one of the economic experts said on TV before I walked in. Um, the other thing is that the Senate passed uh, Ukraine. They're calling it a Ukraine funding bill, but it's not just Ukraine. It includes $60 billion for security reasons for Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel. They're calling it $9 billion for humanitarian aid, but that $9 billion is, is for Palestine to help rebuild it, help the people that are there that are being uh, affected by the war that's going on there that Hamas brought to their streets. But that's, that's when, it, when they say humanitarian aid, that's where the majority of that money is going from. And, and they're going to need help once Hamas is gone, no doubt. And then another $5 billion for the Indo-Pacific um, with the threats from China going uh, on there. So that's what uh, you know, they have there. The interesting part I find here, and, and you, you heard it live here on WILK, you heard uh, President Joe Biden, it was more of a political speech than it was a policy speech, which I, I have problems with, and, and you should too. First of all, this bill has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with whoever his opponent would, would or would not be. This has to do with the politics of the House and the Senate, majorities and minorities, that go on. Now, they're looking to bypass the Speaker of the House, the the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, has been very critical of the House for saying that this is going to be dead on arrival. Joe Biden was very critical about this bill being dead on arrival, saying, you need to let the people in the House, the congressmen, the people, congressmen and women who were elected by the people, have their say in this. It needs to come to the floor. Okay, well, how about we'll give it just as much attention as the Senate did to H.R. 2, which was the House's border security bill that passed almost a year ago that Chuck Schumer in the Senate has refused to bring to the floor of the Senate. It's the same exact thing, but it's just not the topic that they want to bring forward. It's not the discussion they want to have. So the Senate passes a bill, and it goes to the House. And it must get there. It must reach the floor. The, the House Speaker is an extremist if he does not bring this to the floor of the House. But yet, when it works the other way, when the House votes for a border security bill, H.R. 2, almost a year ago, that's been sitting on Chuck Schumer's desk that he refuses to bring to the Senate floor. So it's the same politics. It's the same thing. There's no difference. But one will get a um, pile of attention. One won't. That's the politics that we're here. And this has nothing to do with elections. It has nothing to do with – it's the priority of what the American people – if you look at polling, border security is across the board up in the top three. The immigration problems is by far one of the top priorities. But yet when that whole entire debacle – of funding collapsed where they tried to throw in border funding that really wasn't border funding. 
their priority was to fund Ukraine, mostly, $60 billion. Another $60 billion. $14 billion for Israel, $9 billion for what they're calling humanitarian aid, and $5 billion for the Indo-Pacific. So we're going to make a priority other people's security, other countries' borders, or other people's sovereignty against Russia, against Hamas, against China, but not ours. But not ours. So it's incredible how these things will get the press and say, well, look how unreasonable the Speaker of the House is not even allowing this to the floor for a vote. Okay, how about we give this just as much attention as the Senate gave H.R. 2, which was passed almost a year ago, which was a comprehensive border security bill, specifically. And when you give that the attention it deserves, maybe this will get the attention it deserves, and we'll see what happens from there. But if you want to play politics in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, yes, I'm talking about you, then don't expect the House to not do the same. This is the way it works. You give a little, you get a little. It's the same exact thing that happened. But now it's different because it's, you know, a Democrat bill that the Biden administration wants. We're going to talk about some of that in a little bit, too. There's some, there's some stuff going on there. There's this new article from Axios, and uh, I'll give you a heads up, just— uh, do a, a internet search for Axios article on the White House, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's going to be uh, an eye-opener because something like that doesn't leak out unless there's trouble in uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's go to the phones now. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. We have uh, Tom from Wilkesbury on the stock market. Tom. Good afternoon, Rob. I really love your programs. Uh once upon a time in 1975, one of my final MBA courses at RIT was uh, 725, and the professor was Stephen F. Martyr, and our course requirement was to write a 75-page paper proving, mathematically or otherwise, that the stock market is irrational. That's a right-on topic, and there's plenty to write about. Yep. And uh, I mean, if you want to talk about artificial manipulation of the stock market, if you want to talk about governments printing money and governments piling money into the stock market and union purchases of stocks and, and where they go and which big funds direct money into different places, there's plenty to talk about there. Yeah. And, and people want the market to be rational because we like to be in control and be predictable, but it isn't. Not at all. No, no, it's not. And and everyone knows there's a correction due. Just when that when that cliff is coming, uh, is the is the surprise here. And it, you know it cannot just continue to keep growing and growing and growing without corrections. The stock market is about growth and corrections, growth and corrections. Yep. That's that's where people make money. When the stock market goes down and things are cheaper, you buy it and then it goes up and you make money off of it and then you sell it sell high, and do the same thing over again. But you're, there's going to be correction there sooner or later. Yep. And the whole thing is timing. And that's why only 1% of the people who are market timers make money. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you, you got your MBA? Yeah, from RIT. All right. We're, we're uh, proud to have been one of the few 
non-theoretical MBA schools. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I, I have a, a member of my family who's got a degree in quantitative economics and went to the London School of Economics uh, as well. Heavy so, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I know a little bit from what I hear. Again, it wasn't my degree, but you know, when you have those discussions, yeah, you, you learn a lot. I, you, you, don't uh, underestimate yourself. You seem to know more, more about how the whole world works than most of us with all kinds of degrees. So, Yeah, I mean, when people call in and they say, well, look at the economy, look how inflation's doing, the, the stock market's doing so well, they're two separate, total separate entities. I mean, yes, they, they are symbiotic. They do work together hand-in-hand hand at times, but one really doesn't address the other. And today's a prime example. You know, you're only, you know, 0.2% above where inflation expected to be, and you sent the entire markets into a tailspin. And the funniest thing of all is people say, oh, good news, inflation is down. No, it's not down. Yeah. <laughs> Go to any store and you could see that. Oh, Tom, I appreciate your call. Thanks for checking in. Have a great one. You too, Tom.